welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Yvonne Kelly, I am so excited to have hear your story and have you as a guest on She's the Boss Chats. So thank you so much for agreeing to do it. Excellent. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> okay. So I can't wait for everyone to hear what you're doing. So why don't you tell everybody all about Glow Up Careers? Okay. Excellent. Well, I don't know where to start. I might start from the <laughs> well, beginning. Yeah. I'm going to ask you about your childhood in a minute. So let's start off with just tell us um, about yeah what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So we launched Glow Up Careers on World Refugee Day four years ago. So it's been right. a really exciting ride and we've done lots of things. So we're a certified social enterprise. We're a profit for purpose business um, in the yes. career coaching and diversity training space. So right. we, our mission is to empower everyone to have their careers, no matter who they are or where they're from. Um, Which is just wonderful. <laughs> I love what you do. A com- <laughs> yeah, we've built this beautiful community of over 200 coaches. Many are executive leaders who... I've really wanted to find the purpose and give back um, in a meaningful way. So we deliver diversity training, um, outplacement, career transition and career coaching. And then our profits go back to the purposeful work we do doing one on one coaching and um, mainly with refugees and migrants. So Which is just yeah, so over beautiful. the last four years, we've supported up. Um, 1,500 refugees and migrants in the work that we do. Which is just extraordinary. I mean, that is a huge number and you just do it with such grace and, you know, I hadn't heard of you before. I hope I'm going to enlighten loads of people about what you're doing because it's so special and absolutely what the world needs. So thank you for doing that. All right. Now it's a little bit more about Yvonne Kelly. That's what I want to know. No, actually, I'm going to ask you first, was there a light bulb moment? What was it that made you go, I'm going to start this? Yeah. So there was one kind of big incident in my life that, um, <laughs> that was really the catalyst for this happening. So, right. um, a few years ago, I'm originally Irish and I've been living in Australia for a long time and my husband is Australian and we had after kind of a tricky, um, kind of path to have kids. We were very lucky to have two kids close together. And I decided, let's go back to Ireland and we'll spend some time with my family there and, um, work there. We moved there right, right in the middle of a very bad recession there. And right. unfortunately, myself, and my husband were unemployed for 18 months during that process. And having come from a recruitment background <laughs> as a recruiter, it was a very humbling experience. Um, yeah. So we ultimately had to return back to Australia and pretty much start from scratch. And so so can, let me just interrupt. This is the GFC, I'm assuming, that when I know I was reading in Vanity Fair about, and I'm, I've got all, loads of family over there too, but it was yeah. about when the whole system collapsed over there, didn't it? And in Australia, yeah. people say house prices don't go down, but I know that my mm. cousin bought a place for 485,000 euro and it was worth about 250 that year. So yeah. they were left with these massive mortgages 
ages as well. So, I mean, it was a really, it was a we, massive we were barely crash. touched here. Yeah. So Australia had, or sorry, Ireland had this massive Celtic tiger that lots of people have heard about. And then after right. that, they had this huge crash. And some of my family members, yeah, their house is worth 40% of what they paid. Um, a lot of my friends from uni um, around my age group are really impacted. And they're still recovering a number of years later from yeah. that. So yeah, it was a drastic <laughs> I think we felt huge. at the time that we were a bit invincible. We had really good careers and we'd go there and it would be fine. And I think when we came back to Australia and there was a moment, a light bulb moment when we sat on a beach and we were um, waiting for our furniture to arrive because it was <laughs> lost at sea for a while. Um, <laughs> we were staying in a friend's holiday house and we kind of looked at each other, myself and Alex, and said, wow, if this is how we feel, what's it like for refugees and migrants who come to Australia? They don't have the language. They don't have the culture. What's it like for them to find and a job. And their qualifications are, are, are not, not allowed. I mean, I mean, all of us must have caught Ubers. I know I'm always chatting to my taxi driver and they're lawyers yeah. and they're doctors and they're engineers and they just cannot get a, a, a way in to the Australian Absolutely. And work such system. An it's an amazing wealth of experience. Yeah. And, and they're the most, the refugees and migrants we work with are just the most resilient and dedicated and driven and, and they're loyal and yeah, there's so yeah. many benefits. So that really set us on a path um, to look at how can we help solve, uh, you know, come up with a solution for this. And that's how Glow Up was born. Wow. Well, I'm very glad you got to sit on that beach. I'm very sorry about what happened in Ireland, though. Uh, so using that as as a um, segue, let's go back to when you were a little girl and you let's talk about your career to date. So where did you grow up and what did your mum and dad do? And do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, sure. So I grew up in Dublin at the foothill of the Dublin mountains and it was beautiful. Yeah, near Wicklow. So yeah, it was just right at the bottom of the Dublin mountains. So we could walk up the mountains and um, my dad was a school teacher and then a school principal and my mum was a nurse um, and then she stopped working. So I have three sisters and a brother. Right, wonderful. I've just come back from Spain. Actually, we had 24 of us in a villa for a week, all my family. Oh, how fantastic. And uh, it was just so lovely to reconnect. So, um, yeah, kind of, um, yeah, low to kind of middle class um, family. We had a great street full of kids. And um, I don't know if you know Jim Steins, Jimmy Steins. Yes, yes. I think most Australians should know him. Jimmy grew up two doors down from me. Oh, stop it. Yeah. So he used to babysit me. And um, yeah, so it was a a lovely childhood. And um, yeah. Right. Okay, so did you go to, did you enjoy school, primary school first? Was that something that you enjoyed? So I enjoyed? went to primary school, then high school. I, I unfortunately experienced a lot of bullying at high school, so I didn't, yeah, I really did find that didn't very difficult. It. Didn't enjoy that. Um, and it was only really when I got to university and I studied business and HR that I found my tribe and I became right. class captain in, in university and I just really oh, embraced. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And did so you go to Trinity College or where, where did you go? I went to Dublin City University. Okay. I know where that is even. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> okay. So, so you finished school and you obviously went to uni. Uh, what did you study at uni? So I studied um, business. So I had thought when I finished school, I wanted to be an accountant and I applied to get into an accounting degree. And my second choice was business. So I didn't get my first choice. I got my second choice. Right. And my mom and dad, um, they had their own kind of careers, but they also were quite entrepreneurial and they set up and um, opened a bookshop 
with another school principal in the area. So my school and university was working in the bookshop with this other family all of our Saturdays and um, evenings. (laughs) And (laughs) um, so with my three sisters, we all worked in the bookshop and they had a family of five as well. (laughs) So we had this. Yeah. So that kind of put us all through school and university. I was going to say they had, and they had workers on tap. And if anyone could see behind you, and I know a lot of people know my normal background, um, but you've got loads and loads of books. So you're obviously still a reader. Oh, I love reading. Yeah, <laughs> yes, absolutely. So it really instilled that love of reading in me working in a in a bookshop. Um, and we ended up opening three. We had three bookshops in the oh, end. Wow. Um, so right. yeah, and and dad, mum worked in the shops, and dad um, was a school principal. And yeah, it was amazing. They did that for many years, and then um, before they sold it. So I think um, I did a lot of the bookkeeping for the business, and I quite enjoyed that side of it. But oh, I love okay. the people part. Yeah. as well and I did do some work experience I thought maybe I could be a nurse um, but I worked for a week in a hospital with my auntie actually she was in Spain recently we were talking about it I said it just was not for me I think like the first day I walked into the hospital I was just like no this is not <laughs> smells like a hospital I've got an, yeah. un- an Irish uncle who faints when he goes into a hospital just at the oh, smell really? yeah I know so yeah I knew I thought I want to do something with people and I want to do something with kind of accounts and finances and um so yeah I feel right. like I've kind of landed in the middle you have <laughs> and thank goodness that. you didn't do nursing really because you might never have had this idea okay so uh you finished uni what did, what happened then what was the first job yes I finished uni I was really lucky um just at the end of uni for that kind of summer I got to work with Intel uh, in their payroll department. So I got and to kind what's of. What's Intel for anyone that. Oh, might Intel not is know. a big tech company. They do chips. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little chips, chips that you see on Intel your computers. Intel Inside, yep. you've probably heard. Yeah. Yeah. So that was okay. a um, big US tech company that had come to Ireland. So that was really good to get that experience. I had, um, in my business degree, I'd specialized in human resources. So that was a subject that I really connected to and just absolutely loved it. So I was lucky to get experience in the payroll department at Intel. And then yeah. I love traveling. <laughs> my mom and dad, <laughs> um, it's yeah, just in their blood to travel as well. And because dad had three months school holidays every year, we would uh-huh. always, uh. jump in the car and we go camping all over Europe. So we... Well, that's, um, a, of course, the beautiful benefit of being in Europe is that everything's so near, but so close and you can yeah, just jump exactly. in the car and on the ferry and over to over to the mainland and off you go. Yeah, we'd go. I remember us going to Germany and um, we were setting up a tent and there was a family that like had set up their chairs to watch us. <laughs> back and they were counting all the kids because there's five kids like, get, like it was like what the heck we got these many children when's it gonna stop yeah exactly so yeah we had I, lots of fun all right so so you worked at intel and um, yes did and then the- i decided i really want to travel so a right. week after i graduated from university i came to australia so, oh, I decided- wow. so why Australia? Just that it, I know it's kind of everyone in Ireland has family here and and thinks of it. But was there a particular reason why you wanted to come here? Yeah, I think I had done a summer in the US on the east coast of the US because um, it was easy as an Irish person to get a visa. And then yeah. um, I'd heard about they were promoting the working holiday visa um, at our university for Australia. Mm-hmm. And a number of my friends from uni decided actually that would be really good to take a year out after finishing a four-year degree and travel. And so I think we did, we had 
um, booked like um, <laughs> we stopped at Rome and then we went to Thailand and Bali and we did like a round the world trip with oh, yeah, Australia right. in the middle. <laughs> How many of you in so this little group? five of us in our group. Oh, fantastic. That's such yeah. a good number to travel with. Yeah, it was so much fun. I've just got the most amazing memory. <laughs> so I bet. I bet. And you can't beat travel memories, really. So yeah. how long did you end up spending in Australia for that time? So I spent just, um, just shy of a year. And right. So came to Australia, landed in Sydney and ended up staying on um, King Street in Bondi, <laughs> um, living above a little shop. I think there was four girls in one room. Right. <laughs> a little house. And, um, and I thought I, I really want to get into HR. Like I didn't want my career to just stop because I was traveling. So okay. I got out at that time. It was like the yellow pages and looked at yeah. recruitment businesses and started a, luckily I didn't have to go too far. And I found a recruitment agency called Electus who was part of the Morgan oh. and Banks group at the time and yeah. said to them, I've just arrived. I've finished my degree, really want to work. Um, and they said, we'd love you to come and work with us. So that was my kind of step into the recruitment industry. Oh, how fantastic. So, so did you, so you stayed here for a year. So did you keep that job for the year? Yeah. So I actually worked with them in Sydney and then I ended up working with them in Melbourne. So I traveled around Australia and they were great. They, um, and then I, um, decided to move back to Ireland. So our friend, we were all going back to Ireland and then I got back and got into a recruitment job in Ireland and I intended to stay in Ireland and the company I'd been working for rang me out of the blue and said, we'd love to offer you sponsorship if you come back to Melbourne. Oh my goodness, you've yeah. gone. So you got, oh my God, did you feel like you'd won the lottery that time I when did. you got the call? I was like, wow, well, it was a big decision because I thought if, yeah, you I know, bet. if I stay in Ireland, will I get the same opportunities? And I thought this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I went back. It was funny because I had um, lived for a little while in a backpackers in Melbourne in the middle of the city and it was in a dorm room. So I put my suit on in the morning, <laughs> like get out of the bunk bed, put my suit on, go to work and then come back to the backpackers at night. And um, the lady and that worked, the uh, she worked on reception. Her name is Kirk, uh, Kristen. Um, so when I came back to Melbourne, not really knowing, I had work, I knew some work colleagues and um, she was so beautiful. She picked me up from the airport. She let me stay with her until I got set up. And so it was just oh, a lovely that's welcome. Great. Yeah. That's good because one of the questions I'm going to ask early later is, have you had women help you on your journey? So you'll have to oh. save that one. Tell us a bit more about her. Yeah, so, absolutely. So what happened next then? So you got this job in Australia, presumably thinking you'd come here for just a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. At that stage. Yeah. yeah so um, I worked in Melbourne and um, yeah, just absolutely loved recruitment and loved helping people find jobs and loved the whole industry and was doing very well. Like I was quite very successful in that um, team and I was actually placing um, accounting <laughs> people into an accounting <laughs> role. So, full circle. Yeah, so that was great. And then I decided I got the travel bug and just before that I had um, met my husband. And Right, who's um, Australian? Said, he's Is Australian. He? Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was um, staying at his friend's winery in Mornington and we right. met at a party and we, um, I said, oh, I'm planning this trip. I wanted to travel around. I planned a trip for four months to go through Thailand, Laos, Vietnam and Cambodia. And um, he said, oh, I've been planning some travel too. So we, he lived in Sydney. Um, and so we did the kind of long distance for a few months. And then I headed off on my trip. But before I did, I, um, I had a job lined up with our firm in London because I thought I'll move back. 
And just before I left, um, my company said to me, they said, look, if we give you four months paid leave, will you come back and we'll promote you if you come back to Melbourne? So I was like, oh, it's a big decision. So I thought, again, this is such a good opportunity. I'll do that. So I headed off on my trip and and traveled by myself around Thailand into Laos and and Vietnam. And then I was going to say, did Alex join you? So then he emailed me and he said, oh, I'm going to fly to Vietnam. So he flew into Hanoi and met me and he actually joined me on the rest of the trip. And then he ended up coming back to Ireland to meet my family. And and it's funny because we've just brought our kids to Vietnam um, for the last few weeks. And yeah, just uh, going back to all the same places (laughs) 20 years later. This is where mommy and daddy met. And this is where mommy and daddy did this. Oh, that's so gorgeous. It was amazing. So yeah, we had this great trip. And then, yeah, I went back to to Melbourne and... um, and, and Alex was he in Sydney or did he, was he in Sydney, come yeah. down? So we did right. kind of two and a half years of long oh, distance wow. and he didn't want to live in Melbourne. So um, there was some changes at work and I was given an opportunity to move to the Parramatta office. Well, which... it sounds like they weren't going to let you go, whatever happened. No, so. it was such a great firm. And um, and then I um, there was some restructures happening and I thought I'll start looking for something else. And I went for an interview with an organization that wanted to set up a recruitment business and we're looking for somebody to head that up. So I, right. again, we were talking about moving back to Ireland then and <laughs> this opportunity came up. It's like, oh, so I took that opportunity um, to set up this startup recruitment business, which again grew very quickly. It was really successful. And uh, within a year I was um, offered a, a buyout. So I was able to buy the firm and oh was, wow yeah yeah so oh, you loved it so much you bought the company yeah. kind of thing <laughs> so I had that All business right, so for roughly 10 years what age what age are you at this stage yeah roughly? so I was kind of mid-20s then so it was really I was really young that's huge too. then that's huge to buy it yeah, out yeah. all right so um and did you have to go and fi- raise some funding for that or had no you- so all the funding had been put in at the start by the previous organization so um right. yeah I had I had hired a team and and we were generating lots of revenue. So it was, yeah, it was very profitable from the beginning. Um, right. So, yeah, I didn't need so to. So dipping your toe into entrepreneurship in a very safe way yes. um, at first with, <laughs> with that sort of thing. Yes. So how long did you run that company for? So I had that business for 10 years. So we oh, wow. worked in right. North Sydney and um, we had up to a team of 10. And, yeah, mm. it was really successful um, and just loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um and then um, that was when Alex and I got married and we decided we really wanted to start a family and um, Alex was traveling a lot and I was working really hard in the business. Right. And I started Something to have had quite to a give. few miscarriages and yeah, right. I went to see um, an acupuncturist and she said, you've got to stop. And I said, I don't, I don't really understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. And she said, rest. So, and you went, what's that? Yes, exactly, exactly. So we took some time out. We actually went traveling again that time. Um, and actually two days before we left for our trip <laughs> to South America, I found out I was pregnant. Right. So ended so up vomiting my way around South America and Cuba. <laughs> 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 I could just imagine. Oh, you poor thing. So how long yeah. was that trip for? So we were was going for about three, three and a half, four months. Yeah. So how was that in, well, obviously vomiting your way kind of gives us an indication 
But yeah. other than that, the pregnancy was kind of all right. You felt yeah, fine about great. being so, away. Yeah, it was great. So, yeah, I had a scan in Buenos Aires and I had a scan in um, Cuba. And then we we were supposed to go sailing through the Caribbean, which I was just too sick. So we actually booked a flight to London and we ended up going to Ireland and Scotland and France and changed our whole trip. Um, right. But, yeah, we had a scan in London as well. And so, yeah, my um, my son has <laughs> travelled all around. Yeah. Before he was then, born. Was there any talk from... Alex of you know now we, you've you've stopped your job we're having a baby should we go to Ireland now was that was that a consideration no like you- we had we still had my business in Sydney so we did go right. back we um we decided yeah we just thought well let's just see we the kids were only 13 months apart so it was a really busy um time and Ooh, then we, yeah <laughs> and then I started to look for a buyer for my business so I sold right. my business and that was when we decided that we'd move back um move back to Ireland Oh, so you did. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So So that was when we, yeah, that was, we did sell the business and then move back. um, And that was where we were there for 18 months. And then when we came back here and we started to think about glow up. Right. So that was the, let's, we'll just go back to Ireland and get a job and it'll all be easy. Yeah, exactly. And And it wasn't. wasn't. Okay. And then you came back and while you were sitting on the beach, you thought you'd start glow up careers. So what was your first step? Yeah, so it took a few years. We we decided Alex had worked in a global kind of pharmaceutical. He worked in R&D and he did a lot of drug development and he, his role was traveling around the world and finding um, injectable drugs for, for emergency departments and bringing them back to Australia. So identifying new drugs. That's a very niche kind of area, I would have thought. Yeah. Sounds fun though. Yeah. And I I think when we came back and him reflecting on being kind of a candidate and looking for work and he had a lot of empathy for that candidate experience. So we decided we'd set up a recruitment business together because that was quite, we, you know, oh. I knew what I was doing. We could get it off the ground. So we set up a business called Driftwood Group and that's really right. what funded Glow Up. So we did right. that for a few so years. So Glow Up was a kind of a side hustle at the beginning. Yeah. You just dipped your toe. Yeah, yeah, we just started and, and, and as a has, side hustle. And I can only imagine as a business owner that what you started probably isn't what it is now. So what was, <laughs> but, well, I don't know, but no, I no, could no, be wrong. No, 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 it's not. But, so, yeah, it's funny. So, like, so what was the intention initially and how had has it evolved over that time? Yeah, so Driftwood Group initially was a recruitment business. So we um, we actually were focusing on the pharmaceutical industry with Alex's expertise. Right, makes sense, yeah. And then I had had a lot of clients. So we, yeah, I did a lot of um, kind of executive level roles and headhunting. We ended up working across uh, the globe doing headhunting. Um, of course you did. A whole range of, yeah, so it was a <laughs> great. no like, stopping you and Alex, I can tell no. that already. <laughs> um, and then I got on the board of a global recruitment network um so got some really good global experience. And I think I had, I really set out a clear plan for Glow Up, what, what I wanted to achieve. And as a founder, what I needed to do to, yeah, yeah to, to kind of get there. Oh so my goodness. The first thing everyone off says is <laughs> have a yeah. plan and you had one. Well done. Yeah. And then I started to develop this career coaching program. So an, an online program and I started to coach individuals and it was right. working really, really well. And, um, that was when we got the clarity to say, okay, this is, you know, glow up can come out of this. We can hive it off into it started as a side hustle. And then we, um, so actually only the end of the fact financially you're just gone we've um shut down driftwoods and yeah we're just taking the full plunge yeah exactly wow and and tell me about the early days of setting up um glow up so yeah how did you do it 
<laughs> yeah. So just uh, you were talking about earlier women um, who helped. So I just met these amazing women in the recruitment industry and in the kind of HR sector who I just really kind of asked, sought their advice. So yeah. the, the job market has changed so much from when I started recruiting um, to what it is now. And it's very much about keywords and algorithms and like I applicant tracking it. systems. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, it's just and, awful. It's so computer says no rather than just being, yep, oh, you're a great person yeah. and, you know, you're not exactly. a square peg. Well, we've got plenty of round holes and we can fit you in one. It's yeah. more about, you know, computer says no, algorithm didn't pick you up. So Exactly. So you're in a black hole and you're, yeah. you're forgotten. Um, so we were. I was seeing in our recruitment business a lot of um, mid-career people or um, people who'd been recently made redundant who were really struggling on the job market to find right. a job. And so, um, as I said, I put together this uh, career coaching program to really help them navigate the keyword optimization job ads, oh. which how to effectively read a job ad and um, how to do the research on the organizations and really kind of how to set up for success, but also mapping out their career pathways. So what was... Wow, it sounds incredibly, Vaughn. Yeah. So we get them to look at it's a values focused thinking approach where they look at their strengths, their values, their passions, and then map out their career goals. And then we help them Ah. kind of work out a step by step plan as to how to get there and then make sure they've got a optimized resume and a cover letter in LinkedIn and that they understand the hiring process for that particular role or industry. So. Wow, that just um, sounds amazing. Are you have you still got that going? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we so have now it's a just bit. part of Glow Up Careers. Yeah, and we actually license it to other businesses that use it to deliver career coaching as well. And we do a lot of career coach oh, wow. training, um, both oh my for God, recruiters no and community. Yeah, so we do. <laughs> we do a lot, um, and I think I just when I saw the impact it was having on people and the real positive, like just giving people confidence and clarity on their career and seeing them achieve what they want it for themselves and what they didn't think was possible um I thought this is too good not to share <laughs> I really want to get it out there and so I set yeah. up an accreditation to teach other coaches um initially it was coaches and we then extended that to leaders um yeah so right. now we have 200 coaches that have are accredited oh, in delivering I see I see yeah. so you're not just pulling in coaches from wherever you're actually training them up yeah in how so to all do our this. coaches and it, are accredited yeah right and just for anyone listening that might have sons, daughters, mothers, fathers, uncles, and certainly in my age group of over 50, there's stacks of people who uh, have have been looking for jobs and couldn't, and that's often the reason why they set up their own business, is – do you, so that they can access that kind of yeah, thing through absolutely. Glow Up yeah. still? Yeah, so absolutely. And we wanted it to, we really wanted to democratize it so it was accessible. So our, our coaching starts at $295. So we've tried to keep oh, that cost. brilliant. So that gives you an hour with a coach and all our online tools. And yeah, we have lots of web, like webinars and videos and yeah, lots of kind of advice that they get alongside that. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That is so needed. It just sounds incredibly clever. So yeah, when we get people. Gifting it as well, as you said, like friends and family, and it's a nice yeah, kind of gift uh, that you can give to someone who's a bit lost. Yeah, no, I really love it. So, how does um, the the refugee and migrant part fit into this? How, how did yeah. that come about? 
and yeah, how does it I love fit? This story. <laughs> it's my favourite story. I love a good story too. I know. So when I was, um, I developed the program. I was delivering a lot of coaching within our um, recruitment business, and I'd started to do um, offer outplacement and career transition, and just seeing that success. And I went to uh, um, an event in um, in Sydney, and it was actually one of the founders of Morgan and Banks, which was the first firm that I'd worked with, Jeff Morgan. Was it? it? Oh, no, it wasn't Morgan and Banks because the – sorry to interrupt you, but the, I I met the head of diversity for Michael Page, and I don't know oh, if you yes, know this story. Yeah. Did I, I think I might have told you when I caught up with you in Sydney about the CEO who broke his back in a skiing accident and became a quadriplegic oh, and stayed wow. on as CEO, global I CEO. Know, in fact, I, I just that. found him the other day, and he wow. apparently turned around to his staff and said, I don't think in my 40 years in this industry I have ever interviewed someone in a wheelchair. What is going on? Why aren't we doing it? And I thought, oh, my God, I love this man. Wow. So sorry. And that's just the M that made me think of it. But, um, yeah. but yeah, anybody no, who can help anyone story. in this space, yeah, it's a great story. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff Morgan was um, Jeff Morgan and Andrew Banks were hugely successful back in the kind of early or late 90s, early 2000s. And um, Jeff was talking about the changes that were happening in the recruitment industry. And um, I just happened to talk to someone on that evening. His name was Arash. And he told me that he was a refugee and he was right. completing university and he was really struggling to figure out how to find a job when he finished. Um, he was originally from Iran and he said, I have no idea how the job process works here or I don't know a lot of people. Um, and he was yeah. very active in the refugee space here. So he's like a youth leader in the refugee communities. So we had a really lovely chat that night and I said, look, I'm, <laughs> I've just developed this coaching program. I'd love to offer you some coaching for free and any of your friends. And he said, oh, I've got loads, <laughs> loads of friends. <laughs> and he thought, oops, and, what have um, I just said then? <laughs> yeah, so I started to coach Arash and um, at the time he was studying an engineering degree, but uh, when we looked at his passions, his passion really sat with that refugee space and the advocacy work that he was doing. He was concerned that if he went into that pathway that he'd lose all of the, you know, the study that he'd done on the engineering oh, space. Yeah, so right. we explored a lot of options around um, in civil engineering, what he could do uh, in like to combine the two. So humanitarian and a lot of that was building houses in Africa. It was, um, yeah, it was, it would mean kind of traveling a lot and it just wasn't sitting with himself. Um, so when we looked at kind of what his dream role was, it was to be the high commissioner of the UN. Um, okay. UN I love the with, so with big dreams. <laughs> we set this big goal and then we started to work on, okay, what would the pathway look like to get there and broke it down. And so I was able to introduce a rash to a lot of different people in Australia in very different roles. So I introduced him to the General Consul of Ireland and some CEOs of um, not-for-profits and different perspectives. And he was, yeah. he just took the <laughs> took like it on board and yeah, he just went out and organized all these meetings and, um, and he actually even reached out to the UNHCR and he spoke to their HR department and said, if I want to, <laughs> if I want to become the high commissioner, what yeah, what, what would, would I need to do? What to would get I need? There? 
And so through the coaching, um, he was he started to work in some uh, organizations in Sydney and um, and then amazing, he was offered a role in Copenhagen with the UNHCR about oh two years ago. God, That's amazing. <laughs> I was such a proud. Oh, I was just so proud of him. Um, so he moved over there. We still keep in touch and I still coach. Arash, he's so busy <laughs> with his role. And then last year he reached out to me and he said, Yvonne, um, we're, the UNHCR is working on a project in Africa, doing uh, training for youth across um, five African countries, uh, youth who live in refugee camps. I'd love right. to partner with Glow Up to deliver that project. Oh, so wow. we delivered that project together online and we ran for six months. We did online training with about 80 youth. Um, and then earlier this year, I got to fly to Nairobi and meet Arash in Nairobi. We ran a conference together um, oh for the refugees there. And then we and got where to go is he safari. now? Is he, is he on his so trajectory to be still, the... Yeah, absolutely. So when I saw him Brilliant. in Nairobi, he said, guess what? He said, lots of people are, are saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I would make a really good high commissioner. High commissioner! Um, yeah. Oh, wow, Yvonne. So, is it that, that I can see how much joy you must get out of doing that. But oh, so what so happened rewarding. with the... Is, so you had these 80 kids in Africa and did yeah. that give you... Working on that program, did that sort of show you a way that you would be able to roll that out to refugees or asylum seekers in Australia? Yeah, so we'd already done it. So four years ago when we launched and working with Arash, um, we started working with refugees then. So Arash sent me loads of his friends. We started to reach out to community uh, organizations right. in Australia who work with refugees and migrants on the ground and a lot of settlement services agencies. And then um, they came to us and said, look, a lot of the staff that work in the employment area for, with refugees and migrants, a lot of them tend to come from a social work background. Yes. So they don't have that knowledge of the job market and the keyword optimization algorithms. So a lot of them now do our accreditation um, and we teach them that part so they can more effectively support the career and coaching with those individuals. So last year as well, we worked with an organization called Host International who got the contract to support all the Afghan evacuees. Right. Um, so when those Afghan evacuees came to Australia, Host International, um, they hired 20 career coaches. And right. um, so from all different backgrounds and we trained them all and they used our online programs to support all those Afghan um, candidates into roles. So, yeah, so we've been doing a lot of work. Um, we're just about to do our fourth year project with uh, UTS in Sydney with their asylum seeker students. We've got 18 students wow. coming on board where we do a pro bono project. Um, our coaches do a month of coaching with those students to help them set up. Um, and, and so we've developed a specific university program. Okay, so... How do you make your money if you're doing all of this with refugees and it's at two ninety five for coaching? Is it sponsorship? Yeah. No. So we um, we have done all these amazing kind of impact projects, and we have been lucky to get some funding, grant funding, to cover right. these projects. And I think through all that we've learned, um, we now have a lot of corporates that are coming to us for advice. So um, ah. I've been doing a lot of keynote speaking around um, tapping into diverse talent pools as a sort of 
a source of filling skills shortages. Yeah. Um, and a lot of large companies and tech companies are coming to us saying, you know, we know that there's a skill shortage now, but it's only going to get get bigger. Yes. How can we yeah. help upskill refugees and migrants and other diverse talent? So we've we've just um, uh, kind of looked at the business from, um, yeah, from our revenue perspective. And so our career coaching and outplacement is kind of one main area of You're our right. revenue. And then we've um, recently launched a diversity job board uh, powered by Career oh, One. Oh, so, brilliant. Yeah, so that's jobs.glowupcareers.com. So yeah. that's really exciting. We just couldn't find a diversity, a kind of general diversity job board out there. No. We've been working a lot with individuals and, and we didn't know where to send them um, where they'd be kind of really nurtured and looked after. Yeah. And so companies can post and pay for job ads on our job board and um, they'll match up with diverse talent um, from all different backgrounds. So that's, that's really exciting. Amazing. And then. Yeah. And then we're doing a lot of diversity training um, to really help organizations, their talent teams and um, their hiring managers to create a culture of, um, you know, inclusion to ensure that it's a safe place in their organization to welcome diverse talent in. Um, cause we I'm know that so there's been a lot of bias and yeah, yes, so there is the stacks. Yeah, so it's a really exciting. Like we've been um, working with some really big, um, big brand names, and um, it's just been so nice that they've all come together to help solve this solution. And I got to travel to Jordan earlier this year to be part of a kind of global task force on helping to identify refugee talent around the world and yeah. fill skills shortages with those gaps and oh. uh, really lucky to spend a day at Parliament House and meet with the Minister for Immigration and um, look at, you know, how kind of systemically Australia can reduce the barriers to employment for yeah. diverse oh, groups. Oh gosh, so. I would love to be involved in any way that I can. Uh, we have in, I'm in the inner West in Melbourne and we have this thing called West Welcome Wagon. I don't know if you've heard of it, where we are, no. it's, it's, it's a fantastic program where basically they're helping people who are asylum seekers because we have a lot in our area. I think Maribyrnong is one of the places that they come into, uh, find furniture and homes and just giving them bed and oh, bedding wow. and food and just all the things you need to start your life. But, I mean, even if even just from the conversations I've had with gazillions of taxi drivers, you know, and also there's migrant women associations yeah, um, absolutely. around here that um, I'm going to have to do some introducing, I think. But anyway, I just yeah. And so it is like the rental crisis is making it really difficult. I, yeah. I spoke to the Asylum Seekers Centre in Sydney today and, yeah, they just said they've had such an increase in demand for their services. And um, so that causes obviously a lot of stress. Uh, there's issues with visa and um, you know visa classes we were talking this morning about some of the asylum seeker students who graduate with their degrees but their visa still doesn't allow them to work full-time so yeah like it's a re and, and also they're on short-term visas so i think there's some systemic issues that yeah the government is working through they, they've actually been yeah and I mean, do you think that Australia, because we have such a small influx of people compared to, you know, European countries that are taking a million refugees a, a year and things like that, that yeah. our system hasn't really been built or set up properly 
for it. And I the, don't even and think the, it's about the influ. I think it's actually about starting with the people that are here. Like there's just so many refugees, migrants. We've been working with some groups in neurodiversity and in LGBTQIA plus and kind of all areas of diversity. And our coach community is really diverse in itself. Like we've, we've got like representation from all those different groups and indigenous and, and that's how we've been learning as to kind of what those challenges and hurdles yeah. um, facing all different minority groups and getting work is. And it's quite similar across all those different groups. So what, what I've found is talking to organizations and corporates is that there's just a real lack of awareness of yes, um, that's the depth of talent and skills. So I, do, I actually don't think it's about the numbers of people coming. I think it's actually about, um, on, you know, not just a, a real untapped talent pool that we talk to a lot of organizations that do hire refugees and migrants, but when they've done um, surveys, they found that that talent sits at very entry level roles. So they're not being mm-hmm. promoted. So we've um, developed through our coaching, like a, a coaching and mentoring program for organizations so that a lot of our coaches, when they do our coaching, they get a lived experience coaching a refugee or migrant. They become real aware and become diversity advocates internally. Yeah. And um, the whole idea is then is as diverse talent comes in, they can be matched with a mentor internally to help them kind Who's of map been, out their career path. Been through it themselves. Because yeah. the biggest thing that I hear when I talk to the migrant women anyway is um, the lack of networks. I mean, because we all it's take it for yeah. granted that there's someone that might be able to help us with whatever or Absolutely. that we've got a friend who can offer us advice. And they don't have any of that. And that's, I and guess, you one know, of most the things. Of the jobs nowadays, yeah, are found through that hidden job market. So if you don't have a network, it's really that's difficult right. to get your foot in the door. Certain industries don't even advertise jobs. They just, you know, they just network within. And yeah, LinkedIn is such a great tool, but in that way, it's made it harder in some ways because. Yes, because uh, it's, it's not terribly inclusive. It's very difficult to be visible. Um, and so that's why we help. Like if if they know how they can um, be really visible on LinkedIn to be found, then they do come up with those searches and they get really yeah. good success. So we actually show them how to measure their stats, like they track their stats on oh, LinkedIn. There, there's, there's an amazing woman in Canada that I had a chat with last week called Amal Masri. I don't know if you've heard of her, but her no. business is called, well, she has hashtag fix the broken and it's yes. all about giving people that start, particularly if they are diverse um, and particularly if their ethnicity is what's sort of holding them back. Um, yeah. And she's, she's really amazing. So um, there's and another one I'll have to introduce you to. And I think for me it goes beyond the start. It's actually, yeah, it's actually that kind of what's a long-term career. opportunity. And a lot of those organisations don't have clarity of career paths that they communicate when somebody starts. So they often think, oh, we'll just bring them in and and then they, as I said, they get kind of a bit lost and often Stuck in find data that, entry or, yeah, or you know, exactly. Yeah. And they don't, they're very humble people. So they don't they tend don't like to, and ask. it's often not in their culture to self-promote or step forward. So they just are very loyal and they'll just sit there, but they have huge potential. So, yeah. you know, you mentioned the Uber drivers, there's all this potential within Australia that's just it's sitting tragic. there not being used. I know. And it's I totally know. tragic. So and, and we're looking recently, at, um, yeah, cool. sorry, no, go ahead. 
No, no, I was just going to say twice I've spoken to female doctors from India in the last month or so. And neither of them, both of them had private practices in India and had been doing their um, businesses for many years. They've come to Australia and they have to do another six years of study to be able to be a doctor here. And I mean, I just think yeah. that's absolutely insane. You just kind yeah. of go, these people who have great, I could understand there may be need, a need to do a bridging course, but really yes. you would actually just think you would mentor them with someone who's a doctor here. But we have this huge... Um, skills shortage and we need more doctors and yet they're driving Ubers or these women have become nurses because yeah. they've got the skills and they just can't, they, you know, and it just, gosh, it just drives me nuts. Yeah, there is a, yeah, there's a big opportunity there too. We've been looking at kind of how can we help upskill, um, especially into tech type of roles. So um, we've been yeah. working on a project with school kids in Western Sydney and it's been amazing kids from refugee backgrounds and we brought them to Microsoft, we brought them to Google and just to open up their eyes. And we've also been doing training for their parents around alternative careers that they may not have heard of um, that are, you know, really going to yeah. give their child some great well, opportunities. Because the other thing is that for a lot of them, their parents, um, and, I, and I've spoken to so many people like this now, that the parents want them to become a lawyer or a doctor yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, something at that level. So they don't think that if they go and get a job at an entry level in Google that it's a good career, you know. Yeah. So they're fighting yeah. that internal family perception. So that's brilliant that you're educating the parents as well. So I think oh it's just about goodness, thinking Yvonne. differently about that whole sector. And yeah. um, for me, like a lot of people say, oh, you know, these refugees and migrants, they need training. I'm like, actually, the training in Australia we need is for the corporates and <laughs> <for the laughs> government for is the actually <laughs> for the employers and raising awareness. And I actually had a, a call with um, one of the local councils in Melbourne and met with their uh, diversity group. And, and there was, it was really interesting. There was two members of that. Um, that meeting that we, that when we talked about um, multicultural and refugees and migrants and the challenges of finding work, they actually opened up and started to talk about their own personal experiences. And two of them mentioned how they had both looked for jobs for over a year and eventually they had to change their name to an Anglo name. And like within two oh. weeks, they started to get... Um, yeah, to get contacted. So, um, it, oh, there's yeah, a woman there's still I'm a lot of bias and racism. Heaps of it. And then when you go into tech, it's even worse. And then when you go into tech and you're a woman and you're a migrant, it's even worse. And it just goes on and on. But there's a, a, a lovely woman I'm coaching at the moment who wants to change that in technology. But she said to me, I think I'm going to anglicize my name. And I said to her, you know what? There are an awful lot of young Indian girls who are going to look at you if you change your name oh, and no. go, well, if she's done it, I should do it. So I said, I think you're going to have to stick with your name and stick it out because yeah. You are actually a role model for a whole lot of other people and don't think of it that way. And she is the global head of a tech company anyway. So it's not like she needs to get the work. She just feels that people would trust her more. And, yeah. and I just said, no way. You've got to keep your name. <laughs> and I do feel like most of we have some men in our coach community, which we really value, but most of our coaches are women. And it's been amazing to see one of our coaches works in a very large tech company. And she actually did the coaching through her own transition. So so 
um, she wanted to kind of really help her in her guidance of her own career. And she got right. into this, yeah, really one of the big kind of top tech companies and did our program. She's become a massive diversity advocate and so much so that um, within six months, she was finalist in the ICT Women of the Year Diversity oh, Awards. Oh, wow, brilliant. Um, and just, it's, it is amazing how individuals can just, you know, have a passion for this and start to make changes. So we're getting a lot of traction within organizations to kind of That's go, this strange. is really important. It's important um, from a kind of community perspective, but it is really important for business. So um, I'm actually keynoting um, in Hamilton Island in a couple of weeks at the recruitment, the RCSA recruitment industry yeah. um, event. And it's about how social purpose is good for business. Um, so, yes. yeah, not just from a hiring perspective, but also how you like, you know, your suppliers and buying from refugee led and other organizations and social enterprises, which we are. So just kind of switching that whole view on diversity and inclusion and how and each of us in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Can and, make the, a difference. and also um, and the, the, the people that you're talking about realizing that they're an asset. These are not, this is not your charity. This is them. You bringing no, on exactly. really amazing talent and how yeah, important and it is. And also the organizations yeah. learn, like the teams that those people work in just constantly feedback to us, just how enlightening and how much they learn from them and what they bring. And as I said, their resilience, like, you know, a lot of them Incredible. have been through really tough times and that, you know, to be able to showcase that resilience in a team environment and have others learn from it is, yeah, it's really valuable. So there's so yeah. many benefits. Um, it's just about, yeah, getting that kind of awareness. Um, and really, I think it's our job if we are lucky enough to be born with an Anglo-Saxon background in Australia anyway, to be championing these people. And to, to because because it makes such a huge difference for someone to say, I believe in you. I mean, literally, that's all you have to say to some of these people. And they yeah. certainly with the taxi drivers, I'm always giving them ideas for, jo you know, not jobs, but businesses, because that's the way my brain works. But they go, oh, my goodness, this has been so useful. And I'd never thought of it. Half the time it's because I've just said, you are amazing. And these are all the things you could do. And they kind of go, oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. And, and I, I really have to back feel... Them. We had, um yeah, we had this beautiful lady come come to us about a year ago and she had a completed an Australia degree in engineering, but was unemployed for a year, really struggling to find work. We put her through our coaching program and um, connected her with one of the recruiters in our network um, who got her, landed her a graduate engineering job. And I think she's been oh. six times to London over the last year for training. Oh, wow. She's working in rail engineering. The feedback's been phenomenal. Like she's just got so so much confidence um and yes we're now coaching her sister and who also has an engineering degree and yeah this is it's just like this amazing talent out there that, i know and um, all we've got to do is tell them you are great we understand that things are really tough for you and how can we help exactly so yeah, we're really so hoping little. through our job board that we can really start to highlight um and amplify some of those voices of yeah. um, individuals who are looking for work so um anyone can go and register and put their profile file onto the job board. And as I said, it'll then automatically match you with organizations that are hiring and, and specifically that want to hire diversely. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really oh, exciting amazing. to be able to kind of bring that to the market. 
Incredible. All right. Now we've been talking, uh, I've been getting carried away because I feel very passionate about this as well, but we're just going to go back to you a little bit. One of the things that you talked about earlier was a woman who'd helped you and you've said there've been other women. And because she's the boss is about trying to make women more visible. Do you want to tell us some stories about some women who've been great to you and maybe mention their names so we can cheer them from afar? Yeah, absolutely. So the big one, um, when I came to Australia and got my very first job, um, my manager, um, who looked after, she was the Australian manager of the division. Her name is Chris Slattery, who I think yeah. you've met as well. Thank you, Chris. Um, so Chris, um, has been my mentor and my champion for many years now right. <laughs> and has supported me all, uh, yeah, all along, all through the ups and downs. And in recent times, um, she's become a really big part of, um, supporting me with Glow Up and our strategy and our sales plans. And, um, I just had a call with her today, actually. Um, so yeah, she just is always available for me whenever I, I you know, I have a question there. Oh, fantastic. Or, she's, a, she's got a big heart, that woman. Oh, I mean, she's got I, a I, massive heart. So yeah, so oh, Chris sure. has been one of my big champions. Um, yeah, That's my mom, wonderful. Irenas, um, yeah, has just been such a, Brilliant. My mum and dad have always been super supportive of Are everything they still that I in do. And have they come over they're here? They're still in Ireland. So I got to um, spend two weeks with them in Spain recently. And oh, we lovely. had a week just ourselves with my mum and dad in a little village in um, the Costa Brava. And it was just so special to have that time with them. So, yeah, yeah they The only drawback to, about being in Australia, isn't it, is how far away it is to get back to yeah, them. Yeah, but they always tune in to my webinars. And they, oh, I'm sure they'll, I love that. they'll listen to this podcast. And yeah, they're just my big champions so um well hi mum and dad and thank you so much for all that you've done to and thank you for letting Yvonne stay here because thank goodness we've got you <laughs> lucky us okay uh anyone else sort of stand out that you can think of um I have a beautiful friend called Alison Hallworth who yeah. has the biggest heart and um again she's one of those people that I can just always pick up the phone and she um did a lot of work with she's done a lot of work within refugees and uh, with refugees and migrants and um yeah she's been a real uh, kind of boost of my confidence <laughs> to oh, let me know that I'm on the right path and yeah because we all need them we all need somebody that's there that's kind of you know cheering us on a bit um, okay. Now, when you have a job that you love and as is as important as your job and you've got kids and a hubby, um, how do you do that juggle? If there's one thing that I've found having interviewed 200 plus women now is how many of them have really run themselves into the ground and burnt out. How do you do that juggle? To How do you, how do you structure your week? What sort of hours do you do? Yeah. So um, I love bushwalking. <laughs> um <laughs> So I do That's two great. bushwalks. Another woman in my life, Lisa Tongalidis, who's one of our coaches, we bushwalk twice a week. Oh, um, wow. So we, um, yeah, so we walk That's and talk good. and um, kind of coach each other on those walks. And it's been so enlightening <laughs> how much we've learned from each other. Um, so we do, we live right next to the National Park. Um, Is this so Karingai? We do these amazing. So it's Lane Cove National Park. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So we do two mornings a week. Actually, Chris is joining us this week and we often have guests that join us. On <laughs> Would you and like to come I've on started to expand that. So if I want to meet somebody, I try and get them to meet me for a bushwalk. So that's ah, kind of one thing it. that I've yeah, changed. That's great. That's great. To try and get that exercise. And when do you do in, those? Are they sort of uh, first thing in the or? morning? So I do right. that at seven thirty. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I tend to start, my kids don't, my daughter doesn't start work till, or start school till 9.30. So um, usually my work day starts around 10. So it's actually okay. yeah, great. <laughs> a little bit I'm later. loving all of this. Yeah. And, um, and I have a lot of meetings throughout the week. So I schedule, I have a Calendly, I use Calendly. And yeah. so I, yeah. I block out time to make sure that I have time for meetings. And then I, Fridays, I, I block out for myself. So um, oh, good. sometimes oh, I, I do. I love your model. That's uh, yeah. that's one that so I. Sometimes I do a float. Um, What's yeah, a float? I, Oh, so there's this beautiful place where you go um, and you float in salt water. Oh, like water. a proper float float, like an immersion tank type yeah, thing or is this? Yeah, so it's an open, right. it's, it doesn't have a roof on it. So, yeah, you just go and float for an hour and just totally relax. Um, wow. Yeah. And I oh, do it's some- a, that, that, this is very smart. It, uh, everything you're saying is is right to get that balance as well. And and for your kids to be around for your kids while they're that age, you know, I think that's Absolutely. really important. And too. I've started to journal a lot. So I journal every day, which is, yeah, I, I used to write, I used to do, have a diary um, when I was younger and um, just writing a gratitude journal. I do like just a page a day and that has been really really helpful in the last year so that's something really? I kind of started yeah yeah oh, it's okay. great yeah, no, I just love that. to get my thoughts and then just re- kind of referring back um, and I love to read as you can see <laughs> so I, yeah yeah and and uh, I'm with you on that and I I uh I used to when I go on holiday when I used to go on holidays I'd bring an extra bag just to put the books in and recently yeah. I came back from Vanuatu <laughs> managed to read five books and they were all on my Kindle so I'm yes. absolutely in love with my Kindle now. I know it's so handy. It's, yeah, yeah, I yeah, love I loading about, my Kindle up. <laughs> I think I've got three or four hundred books in there that I'm going to go and rework my way through now. Yeah, um, there but, is but some but books I that say, I like to buy. So and yeah, what kind of book? What kind of books well, do you read? Are they tra- I like love, I love a trashy novel? I have to say I do. Or a Family saga. <laughs> yes. I like those kind of like I, I, like, I very I like, rarely um, read business books. <laughs> yeah, interesting. That I used to do that, but now I've um so since we started working with refugees and migrants, I've been really interested in trauma and um right. you know how to support people with what they've been through. So yeah. I started to read a lot around mental health and I think coming out of COVID. So one of my favorite books is on my shelf is um The Dreaming Path. Oh, okay. Um, Oops. Oops. Let's get it here. So this is a book. Um, it's called Indigenous Thinking to Change Your Life. So it's written by Paul Callahan, um, who was is Indigenous, but he worked in corporate world and he had a mental breakdown. Um, and it's right. about his connection back to land and Indigenous practices oh. um, in a really practical way. So I just love... Um, Yeah, I love that. There's another book that I read called um, No Bad Parts, which is all about um, how we're born with no bad parts, but things happen to us in our lives. So um, we start to think we have bad parts. Yeah, or thing. Yeah, you know, just how we can kind of connect back to our um, younger self. So that's a really nice one. And then um, there's another lovely, let me just see. Um, There's a book called Oprah Winfrey wrote it with. Dr. Perry, who called What right. Happened to You, which is all about kind of childhood trauma, intergenerational trauma. And yeah, so I've right. been reading a lot in that spectrum. Of, well, well, which um, makes sense when when it is what you're doing. And, and there is so much trauma in the, the lives of 
some of those people. I mean, I don't even know how they're still standing, some of them, you, you know. Yeah, you just but kind also of go, what we can learn from them. Um, yeah. And then one of them, um, so I do a lot of keynote speaking with uh, Yasser Nasseri, who's a former refugee and just has an amazing story. And we've become great friends and we love sharing the stage together. We spoke in Melbourne at the Social Goods Summit last year and he's we're um, co-speaking uh, in Hamilton Island. And his neighbor actually is an author and wrote a book about um a refugee, a people smuggler. So she gave me the book recently and I, I was just totally blown away by it. Um, just by the amount of resilience and what one person can go through. <laughs> yeah. It is yeah. pretty amazing. Uh, um, it is, yeah. it is because there was some, um, I interviewed a woman called Natasha Price, who's um, in a wheelchair in Queensland recently. And, and every time, she would say, and then this happened to me and I'd be like, okay, that's really traumatic. I mean, one stage she was paralyzed and then she went blind and then, and it was just kept on coming. And I was like, at what stage did you go enough already? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And it's still, you know, she, she is so smiley and happy. Yeah. And it just makes you appreciate. And I think sharing these stories and that's why I love your podcast and what you do. It's so important to share these stories and just realize how lucky we are. And I, I do think that you know, when people were in isolation over COVID, they did get more of an inkling of what it might be like. And I do feel that there's a more kind of outpouring and connectivity to stories um, post-COVID. So I think that's been a really positive thing is that people yeah. can relate a little bit more. And I more. think purpose. I think there's a, a whole yeah. lot of people came out of that going, I'm not just going to go and do a job where I have money, uh, yeah. where I earn money and, and I hate it. And then I just go home and that's how I'm going to live my life for the yeah. next 30 and years. Is that community, I think that's like been I, really interesting. I was looking at Instagram today. There's a surfer there called Kyle Lenny and um, I was just looking. So after the fires in um in Hawaii and he lives in Hawaii and he's got a jet ski and he's got like all these people with jet skis because the town is not accessible. They can't get road. to them. Yeah. So they're, they've got, they're getting all these supplies and then they're jet skiing them around the headland to bring them in. And like, he's, um, oh, like he's just doing this whole campaign and just to see people just to have that purpose and, um, just run with it and say, we can actually make like, you know, not waiting for kind of government support, but we no, can make that's a huge right. it difference. It really brings out the best in a lot of people, doesn't Absolutely. it? That kind that that kind of disaster obviously a lot of people find it very hard to cope as well but it it, these amazing people come out of those kind of situations right one last question because we've been chatting for eight I could talk to you for about another four hours but we're gonna have to stop but here's a good one is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing (laughs) I love that question (laughs) um I I love doing Sudoku (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and puzzles I just like love kind of word puzzles and stuff and jigsaws um right so yeah, that's my kind of hidden kind of spare time relaxation <laughs> but I, I do those kind your of brain still ticking over yes you're still mm, so I do those like those every I get the newspaper on a Saturday and I do those massive sudokos and like yeah just get a lot of joy from right. from those and maybe I that just, goes I've back never to, even tried it I just go it's numbers Ugh. I know no I <laughs> love I it I love all the wordplay ones Yes, yeah, I found it. Yeah. Um, I was a bit addicted on my holiday to a new word play game on my app. 
<laughs> yes. Now, okay, um, Yvonne, if somebody wants to be part of what you're doing, either because they're, um, they know migrant people, refugees, asylum seekers, or they would like to be a coach or they want you as a keynote, yep. what are the best ways people can get hold of you without giving out phone numbers and email addresses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So LinkedIn is probably the easiest way. I'm really okay. active um, on LinkedIn and um, I, yeah, I'm not as active. Yeah, LinkedIn is probably the, the best right. way and or through what's our the website. Email? Yeah, I was going to say, what's the website address? Glowupcareers.com. Dot com. All right. Well, yeah, and thank you can access you. our job board through that as well. So, all right. Yeah, that's brilliant. You are such way. an inspirational, fantastic, amazing woman. Thank you oh, for everything you're you. doing. Thank you for living in Australia. <laughs> uh, sorry to your mum and dad, but I just want you to stay here forever. And what you're doing is oh. so incredibly important. So, thank, thank you. I'm you. really, really glad and I got to meet you. Thank you for everything <laughs> you. that you're doing as well and for sharing these amazing stories. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much, Yvonne. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 